This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide story that affects you. And it is a new day in a lot of ways when it comes to politics. There is a new administration taking over in the White House. Joe Biden is now officially our president. And that is going to have a lot of repercussions, not only nationally, but right here in Michigan. That's right. And we wanted to talk a little bit about what it means specifically for Republicans after Democrats' big day recently. Uh, Abigail Sensky is a reporter with WKAR Public Radio in Lansing. Abigail, welcome to Mishmash. Thank you guys so much for having me. Abigail, let's start sort of nationally, but Michigan-focused, if you will. What is going on now with our state's congressional delegation? What are you hearing is going on from them? Obviously, you know, kind of the Cliff Notes version of the incredible drama that we've had for the past few weeks is that three members of the congressional delegation, all Republicans, Representative Bergman, Wahlberg, and new Representative Lisa McLean, voted to object to electors the night that the U.S. Capitol was attacked, the night of the insurrection. And Um, That was, you know, a a bit of a surprise, honestly. And then as the follow-up to that, when the House impeached President Donald Trump for the second time, Representatives Fred Upton and new Republican Peter Meyer joined their Democratic colleagues and voted to impeach the president, which was totally new um, last time that President Trump was impeached. Only Justin Amash, Representative Justin Amash, ended up joining his Democratic colleagues. So this was a a bridge too far for those members of Congress who joined the Democrats this time. And Abigail, talk about in Lansing now, at the state government level, where Republicans are sort of left uh, now that there's a Democratic administration, not just that, Democrats controlling uh, most major positions of power, both in the state and the country. Yeah, I think it's a celebration nationally for Democrats. And certainly, I think it'll be interesting to see how the incoming Biden-Harris administration impacts Michigan from a top-down federal level. Um, But I think that we can still expect to see incredible resistance from Republican leaders in the state legislature against Governor Whitmer and her agenda, whether that's on things like the vaccine rollout or particularly the state budget. Um, Republicans are still incredibly angry that the state has heightened restrictions. You know, we're just getting out of this period of the what Director Gordon and Governor Whitmer called the pause, which they say was was effective. And our numbers are much better. They are down. Um, But but Republicans are saying, you know, we're not going to have, you know, cooperation with you on the budget until some restrictions are eased. So, Abigail, talk to us about, I guess, you mentioned that, you know, in Lansing right now, there's tension between the governor and between Democrats and Republicans. What are some things that you think they will be able to agree on and things that they will be able to get done soon? Um, You know, February 1st is the day that is still set for in-person dining to resume. And I think that's, you know, a new frontier in many regards, considering that we're still in this pandemic and we don't have a high percent of our population vaccinated. But I expect both Democrats and Republicans will be eager to 
get small businesses in a better place and help out particularly business owners in our economy that are struggling. And I think that's something that they will, you know, find common ground on. I think it might be a struggle to get there, but it's certainly something that 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 both sides um want to see. I think also any improvement to vaccine rollout, particularly if it helps from a federal level that the incoming Biden administration will have more of a plan um, from the top down. I think that any streamlining of the vaccine rollout process will be a topic of bipartisan consensus. And let's talk about sort of the direction that Republicans might take from here. Um, You know, it's interesting to me after Republicans have pretty um, handily lost the last two cycles, first in 2018 here in Michigan with the so-called blue wave or pink wave, as some people called it, uh, Democrats taking the, the, you know, highest positions of power in state government. Uh, And then, of course, uh, what happened in 2020, losing the presidency, losing the Senate, the U.S. Senate, um, and now looking forward to what's going to happen with redistricting moving forward, where uh, we don't know what the lines are going to look like after they are redrawn. But um, there is a lot of um, expectation that they won't be quite as favorable for Republicans. Um, I think this all sort of suggests that Republicans are at a crossroads right now in which direction to go toward. And so far, what we've seen from messaging from uh, the incoming uh, state party GOP chair, um, we have heard a lot about the incoming co-chair and and her involvement in the insurrections and things like that. She was at the uh, in Washington, D.C. that day. Um, you know, that that none of the messaging seems to suggest that or or even the actions seem to suggest that they want to go in a different direction, that they they want to continue in sort of a Trumpian way, uh, despite having been rebuked by voters for the last couple of cycles. I'm curious what you think of that. Uh, Abigail, are you hearing, um, you know, uh, in Lansing, any sort of uh, thoughts from Republicans on where this leaves them? Yeah, I think I think it's a really interesting position to be in, considering that if you're trying to read the tea leaves in the elections of new leadership, it's exactly as you're saying. Not a lot appears to be changing. We have um, former Ambassador Ron Weiser and uh, Michonne Maddock, who led Stop the Steal efforts in the state and was a key part of the kind of infrastructure to overturn the state's election results, which we know from bipartisan clerks and expert testimony was a fair and safe and secure election. So it's interesting to see that that's kind of beyond reproach still and that that leadership is still going to go into place. Of course, you know, that happened at the RNC level, too. Um, Ronna McDaniel is from Michigan, and she was elected to the RNC. She also had a part in spreading disinformation about the election after this. But I, I think for particularly Republicans in Lansing, that's something that they're actively still trying to figure out. You know, they come from, you know, kind of a home court advantage in the legislature. They still 
have incredible levers of power there. And we've already seen in states like Georgia, where there was similar misinformation and disinformation campaigns after the election, Republicans are gunning for election reform there. So I think that's something to watch, you know. Do they double down on this strategy? You know, one of my most trusted voices, John Selleck, who's a Republican uh, communications consultant, said the other day on the morning wake up, you know, the messenger didn't work out, but the message certainly did for Republicans. Let's not forget that, you know, 70 million people still voted for President Trump. And although Democrats here in Lansing were trying to regain a House majority, they did not get that. So, you know, that that may be because the maps weren't to their advantage also. There's a lot of factors that go into that. But I think there's a real open debate on where do we go from here? Do we change this message? To a degree, it was working with base Republicans. And kind of bouncing off of that, during his inauguration speech, President Biden talked a lot about unity and about bringing both sides together and about not having so much divisiveness, particularly in politics. Is that something that Republicans from Michigan are responding to? Not just, you know, Republican leaders, but I mean, I guess, have you heard from just Republican voters? I guess, how is that message going to be resonating in Michigan? You know, I think that's tough to say at this point. I think a lot of people have been kind of stunned into silence after the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. And, you know, there's been a lot of top-down messages for unity um, and people kind of distancing themselves from the rhetoric of the post-2020 election. And I think that's something that will be interesting to see if that sticks. We've already seen Biden come in with a lot of executive orders. And that's going to be interesting to see if, you know, Republican voters are eager to oppose those things. Um, I think that's something that we're kind of going to have to wait a few weeks to see because a lot of people, you know, have extreme opposition to the notions of, you know, violence that we saw in the weeks before inauguration. And, you know, I don't think we've seen public polling on it, but I can't imagine people were happy to see the National Guard and state police have to fortify our own state capital here for several days in Lansing. Yeah, Abigail, I'm curious what you think of leadership inside the Republican Party right now, either in Michigan or nationally. Obviously, Donald Trump is no longer president. Um, There are a lot of people who will continue to follow him in whatever way that they can, I suppose. Now that he's not on Twitter, they can't literally follow him on Twitter anymore, but uh, he still has uh, platforms that he can use and levers he can pull. Recently um, on WDET, we heard from Zach Gorchow with uh, Gongwer News Service in Lansing, who was talking about how here at the state level, uh, also, uh, there there is sort of a void that is uh, being left both by Trump and the you know outgoing uh, party leader uh, Laura Cox, who uh, did not run for uh, re-election for as, as uh, state party chair. Um, it seems like right now there is a lot of question about who's going to be the face of the Republican Party. We we don't know if anyone's going to be uh, you know who will be running against. 
uh, Gretchen Whitmer in a couple years or next year, I guess we can say now. Um, but, uh, and, and there are a lot of people who've said that they will not run. Uh, it seems like there's not a lot of eagerness to become the face of the Republican party, at least here in Michigan. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious what you think of, of that dynamic and the fact that right now, um, you know, uh, Republicans uh, have some disagreements on, on messaging and, and the ways to go forward and, and really no one voice that's leading him, them in uh, figuring that out. Yeah, I think that'll be something that's really interesting to see. And, and I think that that kind of split is most clear right now in our congressional delegation, precisely because of what you're saying. We haven't seen a clear, you know, voice in the statewide party or in terms of grassroots mobilizing of a person who's talking directly to Republican voters in Michigan at this point. I think that will very much change when, you know, the race for governor starts heating up. But I think right now that kind of split is most apparent in our congressional delegation. Again, we saw Representative Fred Upton and Representative Peter Meyer vote to impeach um, President Trump, and they were quite unhappy and condemning fellow Republicans who spread misinformation about the election and spread lies about the 2020 election and if it was, you know, rigged. And I think that that's a really interesting kind of fight that's going to be had to see, you know, do those people get positions of power or chairmanships of committees or, you know, leadership positions in Congress. And I think the same thing will eventually play out in Michigan. You know, it was interesting, Representative Paul Mitchell, who was formerly a Republican and switched to his official party designation to become an independent before he left Congress, he tweeted earlier this week that he was not optimistic there was going to be much accountability for what he called the big lie. So I think that's a very open question at the state level right now to see, you know, are these people who spread this misinformation distanced from or are they still seen as effective communicators to a base that is still very attached to President Trump or President Trump's policies? I know you said that, you know, you kind of talked that it's still quite soon to sort of see what is going to be the blowback for uh, Congressman Meyer and and others who voted uh, in favor of impeachment and have loudly condemned uh, what happened at the Capitol. But I guess, has there been any immediate blowback from the Michigan GOP party uh, that, that you know of or that you've been able to see two representatives, Upton and Meyer? Not that I've seen from, you know, kind of intra-party um, blowback there. I think most of that has come from angry members of the Republican base, whether that's from people in Michigan or people across the country. You know, they were among 10 Republicans. So two people out of the Michigan congressional delegation, that was an extremely small and visible group that made news. So I think they're not only getting, 
you know, commentary and probably threats from Michigan, but also from across the country. And we know that Representative Meyer has said he's trying to buy body armor and that his family is receiving threats. So, you know, I haven't seen it from the party level, um, but I think that's something that we'll see play out when people start to introduce legislation and, and you know, who's making alliances in this this new Congress. I actually have a question sort of for both of you. Um, and uh, Shana, I sort of, I'm sorry to do this. I don't know if the listeners have noticed you've got a baby on your lap currently. Uh, so uh, <laughs> we, we really appreciate Elle being a trooper here. Uh, but <laughs> she's, she's trying. She likes playing with the headphones. So that helps. <laughs> you know, the, the, the two congressional members of uh, the two Republicans in our congressional delegation who, um, you know, voted in favor of impeachment, they're both from West Michigan. Uh, Shana, you're you live in West Michigan. Uh, Abigail, you um, you know are are in the thick of Michigan politics. I'm curious if you guys have thoughts on what it is about Mich- West Michigan uh, that that would um, you know lead these two Republicans. Obviously, both people who are uh, more moderate than most modern Republicans. Uh, but you know what it what are your thoughts? Is there something about the geography or the community out there that that uh, makes sense to you as to why that was the case? Twenty. Abigail, as you noted, I think on Twitter after that vote, uh, came from West Michigan of, of all places. So I, I can I can only really speak from what I've seen around like the Grand Rapids area, which, you know, during the election, there has been quite a number of Trump signs. Uh, there were a lot, quite a few John James signs and Peter Meyer signs. Um, you know, that that was definitely an area that it has, particularly in the suburbs and sort of in the outer down non downtown areas, you know, Trump has really been, uh, you know, he he's gotten support out here. But I think that what's interesting about sort of the West Michigan Republicans is that there is still quite a few of them that are, while they support Trump, there's they're not like. Trump apostles. Mm. They're still sort of that moderate, old school kind of Republicans. And and I think that they the same people that stayed with Justin Amash, who respected his principles um, and, and who were behind him are the same ones that are going to continue to support Peter Meyer. And, and, you know, it's also probably worth noting that Meyer has some leeway to make these sort of principled decisions because, you know, he's got quite a bit of family money. He's got huge name recognition. You know, Grand Rapids, West Michigan is home of the Meyer grocery store chain. So he's always going to have that little extra boost when he is up for re-election. Yeah, I think a lot of what Shayna said there is true, and I think it's incredibly fascinating to consider kind of what what helped or what may go into that decision. I think, uh, you know, what she's saying about name recognition and money is incredibly true. We know the DeVos family backs a lot of West Michigan candidates particularly, and, you know, some of their organizations um tony daunt was just nominated by the republican party and uh, appointed by governor whitmer to our board of state canvassers and he was one of the few kind of senior republican voices in the state saying no these lies about the election need to stop this 
this was a fair and just election. And I think that, you know, when your donors are saying that, you know, this election was not rigged, we are not going with this, even if that's what the base believes and even where that's that's where they're being led. Um, that kind of insulates you <laughs> a little bit because you know that at, at least your your donors aren't going to go away the next time you are running for Congress. And I think also what Shana said, Representative Amash had this kind of legacy of being very loyal to conservative bedrock principles and the Constitution. And I think he kind of conditioned voters to expect that from their representative. And I think that gave Meyer a lot of room to kind of take the moral stand that he did there. Peter Meyer, still not enough name recognition for uh, national host, not to completely butcher his name, but other than that, <laughs> still locally, everyone knows it's Peter Myers, right? I would very much like to know which member of the Michigan congressional delegation texted Jake Tapper <laughs> while on air. <laughs> Abigail Sensky, politics reporter for WKAR. Always a pleasure to have you on Mishmash. Thank you. It's so great to be with you. Well, that's all for Mishmash this week. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Shana Roth. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in.